Salam and welcome to our podcast, Muslims on Fire. Stories from ordinary Muslims doing extraordinary things. With your host, Maruf. Dear listener, Based on many requests from our listeners, we are launching a Muslims on Fire Academy. It's for those who want to do more than just listening. It's for those who not only want to be inspired, but to be one of the Muslims on Fire as well. It's for those who want to discover their purpose in life, follow their dreams, and live in prosperity. If this is you, join us for a journey of a lifetime. The introduction course is free. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Hey, assalamu alaikum. This is Maruf, and welcome to the show, Muslims on Fire. Today, I have, um, I have a special person. I have a brother. I have a friend from Egypt, uh, Tariq Fahim. He is the co-founder of Indo Capital. Just, you know, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, and I think uh, I look up to him as like, you know, my advisor and then also one of my, one of the people that really inspired me a lot. So brief story is that last year, I think somewhere in summer, we met together and we're discussing this investment opportunity. But you, you know, what really happened, what until I do every day is that I just keep noticing that. I was keep not he was different from the photo. And, and towards the end, I keep asking, hey, what is this difference? And, and this Tariq tells me that, hey, I, I just, that's it. I just started walking. He wasn't even trying to, he was, you know, persuaded. So based on this idea, I started walking and I walk every day since then. So this is one of, that's why I say one of the reasons that I get inspired by people like Tarek. This is one of the reasons the podcast, ex- uh, you know, exists. And I'm so honored to invite Tarek today. Hey, Tarek. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. How are you? How are things? All is great, brother. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So, are you ready? Yep. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so, Tarek, today, Alhamdulillah, we, we know you and your capital and your team is one of the successful VCs. You guys... Uh, you know, spotted and invested in many, alhamdulillah, uh, you know, upcoming startups in the early stages. Some of you also admit exist, like like Karim, Karim. Uh, but I think today we're gonna we're gonna go back and to uh, you know uh, explore your childhood stories about your life story and what makes you tick. So uh, let's start with that and then say, tell us, um, tell us what you think it it made you who you are today based on your some of your childhood memories. How was it? How was the childhood for Tariq Fahim? Where did you grow up? How was your family? Okay. Uh, I, I was the second child. I, actually, I only had one brother. Uh, okay. He died 10 years ago. He was older I'm than me. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you, brother. Uh, so, yeah, he was only uh, older than me by four years. We, we, we grew up together in Kuwait. I was born and raised in Kuwait, which basically... Okay. It's a, it's a small country in GCC, yet uh, it was one of relatively the most uh, politically advanced uh, uh, countries back in the uh, 70s and 80s. Uh, so I, I was really lucky to be there because they, were, they had a lot of uh, uh, cultural exposure in uh, movies and cinemas and uh, uh, events uh, and a lot of other things. So for us, it was like a very nice and safe environment to grow up in. in. 
I was I was a nerd basically. <laughs> like <laughs> of physics, I love math. Both my, my 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 mother and father both were engineers, electrical engineers. I've uh, I've learned a lot from them. Both actually at the same time had the uh, the willingness always always to help and support other people around them, either their friends or friends of friends. We you just like to be surrounded by people. You just like to be uh supporting them as much as they can finding them a job getting them uh, uh solving their problems uh, trying to to be there for them and i, I think, think this what yeah i mean like i know you're originally from egypt but you were were you born in kuwait or you were born in egypt then you guys moved to kuwait no i was born in kuwait Oh, you were born quite okay. You were yes. born quite so. I mean, like living. In, I mean, both I guess the, the Muslim countries and both like mainly speak Arabic. But would you did you see any kind of uh, difference? Like, like there was some. What I'm asking you is that like as, as a. I mean, still your parents from Egypt. Did you see anything like? Like some of the like some of the guests, they say, for example, they're born in U.S. They can feel the different difference. You know, they were different than the other people. But did you see? Did you feel that kind of difference while you growing up in Kuwait? Actually, no. Except maybe okay. for the weather. Okay, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've been to Kuwait before or not. No, but not the, yet. definitely the weather is different than any other place in the world. Not only not only Egypt. Uh, in what it's sense? Really it's really really hot oh, <laughs> it's really, I see. <laughs> uh, so uh, that limited a lot of um, outdoor activities especially in summer yeah but anyway uh, Kuwait was was a very lovely country people there were really welcoming and we had a lot of nationalities like uh, the, it's not only Kuwaitis and Egyptians there were Kuwaitis Egyptians Palestinians Syrians uh, uh, Jordanians maybe till I was 11 people were not really thinking that I'm Egyptian because my, my, my language, actually, my Arabic, uh, my Arabic dialect was a complete mess. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually, it's, it's Kuwaiti, Syrian, Jordanian, so it's, it's, it's a mess. It was a mess. <laughs> so they cannot figure out who you are, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was really tough. I yeah. see. Okay. I mean, I think you went also school there, I guess, right? So when we were starting yes. at, like school, I, I remember you, you said your parents were engineers. So like, was it kind of influenced? Did it influence you in any way that you were more inclined to engineering in, in that sense? Or what did you like at school? I, mean, I just want to be curious. What, what subjects did you like at school? Physics, math. Okay. I, I really yeah. love physics. Uh, physics is, was one, one of my favorite subjects. I've always been lucky to have very good teachers who would actually do an extra effort to explain uh, difficult things in a very simple terms and format, trying to be as much as practical as they can. Uh, with experimentations, and I love that. I see, I see. Okay, so, I mean, after school, like, like when you, you were doing the, your university studies, did, did it, like, you, you followed the, the same path, like engineering and science, or can you... Can yeah, you guys, like, I, I, work yeah, I tried to revolt in a way. So I joined faculty of dentistry. So I was go- going to become a dentist. <laughs> Originally at the wait, beginning. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Now you have to explain. How on earth you, yeah. you study physics, right? Yeah. And how on earth you become like going towards a dentistry. Please explain I, I, that. I, I, here's the thing. I, I got, I, I think I was the ninth nationwide in, uh, in high school diploma, which basically uh, you get to 
choose any any com- uh, any college or university you want to join. Okay. I I That's got good. even offers from Kuwait University to join w- with a monthly uh, more of like a monthly salary or compensation to join them. Stipends, right? It's called stipends, yes. I think. Yes, yep. yes, stipends. Yes, exactly. And but um, actually, I I didn't I didn't take this offer. I and I went back to Egypt and I said like, here's the thing. I, by the way, I was sixteen. I was sixteen years okay. old when I got into college. Sure. Sure. So I was a little bit young, <laughs> uh, okay. and I just w- wanted to say that um, I asked what would be, what's the best way to make money without even having to study hard. So they okay. like, you should join <laughs> faculty of dentistry, <laughs> and that, and that was the trick because I see. if if you join anything that you don't really like, you will have to study twice as hard because you are compensating for a lost passion. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a, one of the key points for us, right? So just don't follow the trails of the money. You will regret yeah. later. Yes, big time. I see. I so see. I joined for a couple of months. Later on, I dropped and I decided to to to, to, to go back to my normal course and join uh, faculty of engineering. I see. Imagine, imagine you just follow that. You, you, I mean, today, I'm not sure we'll be talking today, but probably you will be miserable right, in, that, in that dentistry job, wouldn't you? Yeah, most probably I would be having really hard pain in my leg because I would have to stand <laughs> for a long time. I see. I see. That's very interesting, right? So I think that's, you know, what, what you just said, that's very common among teenagers. I mean, in, in my experience, I was also going to the, one of the most prestigious university in, in my home country. But about a year or two, I figured out that's not for me and I have to took a detour. And in life, I think we just take detours and these detours uh, kind of hopefully, you know, leave us you know you know guide us to the places we want to be okay now back to the show so you said enough is enough i have nothing to do with dentistry i'm gonna follow up engineering please you are you have a degree today as engineer don't you yes i'm not using it a lot but yes i have one <laughs> <laughs> that's good but i'm gonna ask another question how on earth you end up from engineering as you are today so that's yet to say the next, next transition go ahead yes yeah, so, so basically i finished my degree uh later on i I started working. My, my first job was in a company headquartered in, in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I worked for their Egypt office with a guy who uh, who happened to be the inventor of something called the FPGA, Field Programmable Gate Array, which is a specific type of IC chips that allows you to like to program your your whatever hardware design uh, in real time uh, in a chip. Uh, which basically you don't have to manufacture early on or send from manufacturers. So this is the guy actually who invented that. Uh, I, yeah, I've been lucky to work with him for, for a few years uh, before uh, his company went bankrupted for several reasons. At that time, we were, like, I think at that time, we were headhunted by IBM to start something called Valeo in Egypt, which basically one of the biggest... Uh, Automotive uh, and auto parts supplier and auto part technology worldwide. Okay. So, what year is it? What, what, what year are we talking about? That was to, and believe that was to late 2004, early 2005. Okay. Okay. I yes. see. So, that's when the IBM like headhunted you guys or you or your team, I don't know, so to, to, to do this thing. So, tell us more about this. The first. Yes. Yeah, so, so that basically turned us to, to, to work as something called embedded software engineers. Uh, this is early on before before the hype of autonomous driving and things like that. We had definitely a computer vision team, 
part of our team that we work in, but this, that was primarily at the transition from purely mechanical parts to semi-electronics and semi-software uh, components. Where okay. Actually, we have something called X by wire, which basically drive by wire, break by wire, everything. So by wire means by electronic signals. I see. Uh, so, but this mainly towards to the elect- uh, like aut- automobile electronics. Is it correct? Yes, and and airplanes as well. Airplanes. Okay. Okay. So you were the guys making some of the softwares, the hardwares, uh, embedded softwares, as you as you mentioned, right? For airplanes yes. and automobiles. I see. If okay, you've ever I- driven a French car from the year two thousand, uh, let's say two thousand six to two thousand ten or two thousand eleven, most probably I wrote some code on that. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Like Peugeot or Citroën and those yes. kind of... Oh, I see. Got it. Okay, okay. So you were working there and how did you find the job? Was, was, it, was it exciting for you or you were just, uh, you know, doing the yeah. job because you have to know? Or... It was really exciting because for us, we were the first five guys who got, uh, uh, who got recruited from IBM to help establish Value R&D Center in Egypt, which is currently... Childhood Questions are sponsored by Ali Huda. Ali Huda is a video on-demand streaming platform for Muslim children where they can watch cartoons and shows while learning about Islam the fun way. If you are a Muslim parent, this will be one of your best investments. Visit www.alihuda.com for a seven-day free trial. Now back to the show. Almost, I think it's the biggest R&D center worldwide for software. So at that time, we were only five. Uh, it was a nice experience because it was almost like starting a startup, but it's, then instead Inside of a big startup, company. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's called exactly. entrepreneurship, isn't it? Like enter yeah. or intra, it's like inside the company. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it was. And uh, it's, it's almost like uh, uh, in job training for, for what's I coming see. next. Yeah. So what was coming next? So what was coming out that I decided to get my MBA. I got a scholarship for my MBA in, in the American University in Cairo. And after the first semester, uh, I found like really, really smart people meeting with the with the, with our sponsor, the guy who was actually paying for our scholarship. And when he asked them, guys, what are you going to do in your life later on? Most of them didn't have a clear answer. And mm-hmm. even the guy who answered, he said like, uh, you were really kind to us by uh, supporting us in this MBA, uh, and it would be even great if you can support us to start our own businesses and companies. So for me, that was a shock because uh, the guy already paid a lot, and now <laughs> people are asking him to pay more to start oh, his own business and companies, and people are just waiting to get some money to start companies. For me, that was shocking, like because those guys are smart people, and now they're getting this business degree. Uh, so why they are not starting their own things? Why they are not building their own things? But so here's the thing: I, I said, yeah. just keep noticing this pattern in your life. You, you know, you you keep kind of upgrade and leveling up. So I mean, you're an engineer. You're an engineer. Just from that, you said, you know what? I'm gonna go into business. Business is different than engineering, right? Do we agree on this? Right? It's a total different thing, and especially MBA. Like, what what made you choose that path? So here's the thing: so so MBA is not a really a degree. To tell you the truth, <laughs> mm. yeah, historically people started having this kind of education okay. uh, as part of uh, the industrial revolution to support middle management who are primarily engineering mm-hmm. to have more knowledge about 
business and management. Oh, because at I the see. end of the day, you, you would never take basics of accounting and a master's degree in business. So it, it doesn't make any sense. Like you, no. don't, be, you don't take one or one course and master degrees. In no, general. that's right. Yeah. So, so primarily the MBA degree is not a really a degree. It's more of something that primarily originally directed for engineering, medical school students uh, or, or things like that to equip them with the right managerial I see. Uh, and business skills. Yeah. I see. So, uh, yeah. So, so, so it just makes them most, actually most of the, most of the guys who studied MBA with us were, were coming from engineering. Oh, I see. That makes sense now. Okay. Okay. So it was like a niche, you know, that's what should happen next because you were working at this company. You were probably mid to senior engineer and that was your next step, right? That's why these guys sponsored your MBA and that's why you guys went for it. Not fully correct because they didn't okay. sponsor. So IBM didn't sponsor my, my MBA. My, the, the one who sponsored my MBA was Al Latif Jamil out of Saudi Arabia. Oh. Uh, this is the one who sponsored my MBA. He has uh, something So it's just called... a person. It's not a, it's not IBM. Okay. I'm going to. Okay. Yes. Is, is it correct? I, I... Oh. And actually, IBM wasn't uh, wasn't in favor of me doing an MBA. So they said that I'm a technical engineer, and I should continue technical uh, on mm -hmm. that path because this is how I was outsourced to clients. And definitely, the managerial path is not suitable for me. So this oh, is not... <laughs> that's exactly what I'm asking. You you, you were out of the pattern. Why why were you like why were you went? But you still went that right? You still went that direction. I want to study MBA, even though it doesn't make sense to me. Yes. See. What made you make the decision? What was the uh, thinking behind it? I think behind that, I just wanted to to expand my horizon and to do things more, to do to do more things. At, at that time, um, when I was when when I was actually in uh, uh, studying in, in college, I started something called the uh, Al Burak NGO, which basically said it is an NGO to help and support youth development uh, through engaging them in community development activities. Like I see. Let, let's get the, let's get you some students to help uh, and engage them in building an orphanage, for example, or okay. uh, uh, fixing like every week like one thousand or two thousand meals for for the underprivileged things like mm. that. So okay. this I started when I was still student, and for me, I I, I really enjoyed being part of this because. It meant a lot. You can see the direct impact of what you're building. You can see how you're working with younger people, full of energy, how you're the one who's trying to, with others, of course, to try to figure out the right systems and the right procedures. You're not following a set pattern of rules, but actually you're trying to make sure that you are optimizing because you have very limited resources and you want to maximize the benefit that you are offering to people. So for me, it was quite exciting to have uh, such an experience. So I said, now I have this experience of building things inside a bigger company, which what happened for me in IBM and Vallejo, and mm -hmm. I had this experience. So maybe it's the right time for me to, to try to study uh, in a more formal way how things are getting done, how you can build things at a scale later on. So this is why I decided to go for M my MBA, which again, wasn't really welcomed by my, by my, by my management and uh, peers and, uh, and I idea.
Well, so what, what I'm understanding is like on, on the one hand, you had a full-time job, you were building this uh, thing with IBM and the, inside mm-hmm. the corporation, but you also mentioned on the, on, on the side, you had this hobby or I don't know, that side thing in your thing since you were still in, so you had this, uh, or I think Al-Burak, right? that's what you mentioned, yes. and they were doing like community things and you were seeing the impact right away instead of a big corporation and you were like you were thinking, okay, I have experience from this side, I also experience from this side. Maybe now I wanna, I wanna learn. Maybe at that time, I, you were thinking, I'm gonna when I finish up, I wanna do, I wanna do VC, I wanna do startups, or what? What, what thoughts were you in your mind when you were studying and going for the MBA thing? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I, at the time of of my my MBA, I didn't know what even VC means. <laughs> <laughs> but in my personal statement, why I wanna do my MBA that I got my scholarship out of it like um oh actually that i got my scholarship based on that i said i want to build something this something would help other people people and other companies early on to grow their companies I so I, I so i i start describing the function of a of a vc of yeah a seed stage without, VC without yes without knowing that there is something <laughs> called vc which is very ironic I and that, that's exactly what i want to do and build uh, and I thought that definitely might help me because for me, that would be most words coming together. It's, it's about conversions, converging my NGO, uh, my, my NGO um, activities with my technical uh, and um, day-to-day job. I see. So you finished your MBA and, and, and so what changed like at your work, you still see yourself working there or like your priorities changed that you want to do something else after finishing MBA? What happened there? Actually, after finishing my first semester, <laughs> I decided to quit to quit my job uh-huh. uh, because, again, when I saw the, those smart people not taking any actions and just waiting for people to give them more money to start doing things, I said, "There's definitely something wrong in here. Why mm-hmm. we should wait? Why 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 are we waiting? We should start doing things." So um, at the very beginning, when you don't have enough money. Uh, and at that time, even th- there's nothing called VCs here in the Middle East at that mm. time, uh, or not at least widely known. Uh, I decided that I should start doing my own business. Okay. And you cannot build at that time because you didn't have enough assets or money. Uh, I, I couldn't build a product thing. I started building some services. So I joined with another friend of mine and we built a software service company. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on, that was a, a very, very small company. The overall office was less, less than 60 meters, meters square. Uh, yeah. Where actually, we were six people into that office. <laughs> yeah, so it was quite interesting days. And later on, we, we got some, we got lucky and some traction for our software services. Um, so what, that, was the, what was the software about? What the software was doing? What did the software do, I guess? Uh, basically, web-based application. That web-based, was the, okay. Yes, uh, it's a, whatever that's needed, we were willing to do it. And so, you had experience, right? Because you were an engineer, but still had experience as a software, software engineer as well? Yes. Right? yes. I, see. I see. Yes. And my other friend had a, a very good experience in business, and, and we both un- understood each other's uh, domain. So we were able to communicate and actually do something meaningful. After that, we, we gained some success, we gained some money decided because he was coming from consulting background mm-hmm. we decided that why not why not we build a consulting practice okay. it's actually a business consulting practice where 
with a very interesting angle that we know how to implement things. Because mm-hmm. at that time, most of the consultants like the McKinsey's and Booz and, yeah. and, and, and the BCG's of the world basically would give you very high-level document, very fancy PowerPoints. Most probably you feel really stupid reading them because <laughs> they are quite complicated in a way. Yet, uh, at the end of the day, you end up with just like 80 pages document. That's mm. it. Uh, so no said, actions, no implementation, just a document where thing, how things are, right? Psst. If you are an entrepreneur with a product or service for the Muslim market, let's get in touch. We are halal.ad, a marketing agency and ad network for the ever-growing Muslim market. We can help you reach millions of Muslims to grow your business. Visit www.halal.ad for a 30-minute free consultation. Now back to the show. Yes, so we said like we are implementation guys. We already have software and uh, uh, capabilities and production capabilities in-house which might allow us to, uh, to do a lot and automa- and automation and, uh, and 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 maybe like decision making uh, uh, simulators things like that so why mm-hmm. don't we combine this capacity with our business knowledge and start a consulting practice so yeah okay. so we started that we got some people from again from from McKinsey from BCG from people who are just graduated from NCAD uh, graduated from Berkeley has and some other prestigious um, universities and we built our own consulting practice. I we see. started it by three people. And in one year, I think it was around like 20, it's a, tw- a team of 20 persons, uh, mostly young people. At that I time, I think I was, I think I was 27 or 28 years old <laughs> at that time. <laughs> so uh, I, I had this, I had several cards, one of them saying I'm a partner, the other one saying I'm a head of business development and the third saying I'm an a, I'm a senior associate, and I think a fourth was a lot no, of with no titles at all. With no titles at all. It depends on the context and whom I'm meeting that I should give him the right card. And I sometimes, actually, so, actually, most of the time it gets messy. <laughs> I see, I see. I mean, so what you guys were different, I guess, I'm trying to understand than other like, consulting firms like McKinsey was that instead of telling, hey, this is what we think, blah, blah, here's your ADP page report what you guys do like you understand i guess the business say hey this is what's broken let let us help you fix it is that, is that correct that's how you're different in a way and we always say that we have this 80 20 rule which uh, basically we will give you and will support you with the 20 percent that will get you the 80 percent of the value so the other 80 yeah. percent thing we will not charge you on that we will not even work on that because it's not your yes. priority and yeah that's a Pareto rule right it's called 80 20 it's a Pareto rule yes exactly yes I see, I see. That was your, like, unique selling point. That was your, you know, value that why people choose you over Agar McKenzie, probably. That's good. So uh, you were doing this because, because, but at the back of your head, you still had this big idea, but you knew you didn't have money, you didn't have other things, but you have to pass the steps. That's why you are doing these things, right? Is, is that correct? Um, yeah, actually, I almost forgot... <laughs> the thing that I wanted to build at that time, which basically mm-hmm. helping other companies and, and founders to start their own things. It was almost mm-hmm. like an old dream that I had. And I just started building new things. I, I didn't mm-hmm. realize that all of that might be leading me to actually towards the way of, uh, of achieving my, the thing that I wanted to build early on. But at that mm-hmm. time, I was just focusing on 
getting things done. I was just focusing on building my, my own companies, uh, being successful as much as I can, sure. growing them. Sure. So, I mean, okay, so to tell us the progression, what happened, like, but today you're not doing that one, so there must be transition period, right? So, you guys grew this, did you guys sell it, did you guys exit it, or you're still yes. involved in somehow? No, actually, I, I grew this, it's become 30 plus uh, person practice, and we even included other things related to uh, leadership development, and uh, because at the end of the day, when you are going into a change management program with the bigger companies, you need a lot of soft skills you need a lot of uh, culture change so we, we start building this practice and understanding uh, what's needed to build such a thing until i think 2010 where i decided that uh, now it's the right time for me to sell whatever thing that i've built take the money and start doing something related to technology and go back to my my original roots yeah, original, like like the big grand dream, right? You, where you yep. want to help people. Okay. How did it work out for you? Tough, in a way, <laughs> because selling wasn't easy. Uh, it's it's really tough to sell a service business because at the end of the day, you, you, you don't have like an intellectual property. Yeah, of course, you have very specific products and frameworks and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's really tough. Yeah, uh, it's humans, right? It's, yes. it's the resources, yeah. Yeah, and and if you are the one who's uh, at least you are one of the one of the guys who's building that and saying that I'm going out, I want to sell this share. You're you're almost like as if you're taking some of the assets away out yeah. of the company. That's but I managed to sell it. Uh, I got some cash, and I think I got like eight x multiple on my original investment, which wasn't a lot uh, originally. But again, uh, uh, it was a good return. I see. Uh, and and I took and I. And I took those money and I started doing some angel investments early on with some of my previous clients in the consulting practice. We, we start co-investing together and we start building a few things together. But it was, it was uh, locally in Egypt, is that correct? Yes, it was locally okay. in Egypt. At that time, okay. it was locally in Egypt. Till actually, till the year 2000, 2000, I think 2012. Okay. So at that year... I got an invitation um, from um, from something called IVLP, which basically stands for International Visitor Leadership Program, mm-hmm. which is like an exchange. It's a uh, it's an exchange program for Department of States where where they choose what they perceived as the future leaders of a specific country or specific region to come mm-hmm. and, and, and and to to get them and give them a tour and a visit for the United States to meet a lot of uh, movers and shakers and even I political see. figures and top executives and CEOs of, uh, of company there. It's trying to, in, in a way or another, trying to show you like, what you could be, right? How you could grow or like what could be the like, how, like open the horizons, as you said, right? Isn't it? Yes, in a way. And another way actually is trying to make friendships with people huh. who might be later on uh, in, in, a leading, uh, in a leading position in their countries. So which, if you think about it, it, it just makes sense because you, you would never go into big fights with people that you've already been connected to for several years already and mm-hmm. you, you've been to their homes and you've talked about other things and you, and you connected with them at, at, the, at, 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 yeah, at like so many levels, not only like the business level and political sure. level, just like being connected as human beings together. 
I see. So yeah, so that helped me to 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 see that there is another world in there. Uh, there's something called startups. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, there are the VC practice and what's happening and how it can be done. What kind of uh, structure that we need to have in place for that. So for me, that was an, uh, quite eye-opening. And at that time, um, I was uh, I was invited to an event in San Francisco, where I met. Actually, by coincidence, I met uh, I met a guy there, very very smart guy. And I met him by coincidence because he was giving a he was giving a talk, and actually I wasn't intending to attend. I wasn't planning to attend his talk, but uh, for some reason he just came in and he closed the door, so I had to. to do that. <laughs> you couldn't get out. You I couldn't get out, get out actually. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> when he started talking, he said that my name is Jeff. Uh, he's he, the guy is called Jeff Aston. He said that I'm Jeff. Uh, I built. Uh, uh, rocket email and I sold it to Yahoo. Now that's Yahoo email. I built this other oh. company. I he's a Jeff that... from he's a Jeff from the YC company. Yes, he is. Oh, <laughs> yes. But at that time, he wasn't a full time partner at YC. I see. That that back in 2012, he he had another accelerator called I think uh, Imagine K12 or Imagine 12, something like that, primarily focused on education. So yeah, and he said like I've I've invested in another company that was actually going to going down completely till I st- till I actually decided to be the CEO of that company. I managed to turn it around and later on, two years later, I sold it to Apple. That was called Lala Music. And I said, enough for me. I cannot do that anymore. It's really tough to build one company. So what I about see. two companies? So I decided to be an angel investor. I started this accelerator called Imagine K12. And now I'm a, I'm a part-time partner in, a, in another thing called Y Combinator. Mm-hmm. So he started talking about Y Combinator. So yeah, that looks a lot like the thing that I want to build. And I, and I wrote about in my personal statement in sure. 2000, um, yeah, in 2004. Mm-hmm. So I, I got really excited and I went to um, talk to him. And I said, like, I want to know more about YC, what's happening, how, you, how you're building things, what's the person, what's the procedures. So he gave me, um, he gave me the... Uh, uh, the name of uh, Jessica Lemmiston's book, which is uh, Founders at Work. And he told me, you should read more about, you should read this book. It's really inspiring. And let's keep in touch. Uh, yeah. And this is actually when I decided that my next company that I'm going to invest in as an angel investor, I'll try my best to get them into Y Combinator. Hmm. Because I, I want to see what will happen in their in their journey. And we know yeah. I, I want to be there. For uh, those... Yeah, for those so, I like who doesn't know, Britain mentioned why Combinator is like early stage. I would say incubator, right? Like, well, how would you describe it, You know, why Combinator briefly to the audience who then those who don't know. Yeah, so so basically, YC is an uh, it's they are the guys who started the concept of accelerators. Basically, the the ac- uh, originally they started with the thesis um, that companies now need less money to start that than originally because of the absolutely uh, because of like the advance in infrastructure and supports uh, and technology. So what, whatever, if you needed like 1 million early on to start your company now, it's just like, it's maybe like 50K, not only 1 million. And they believed in technical founders, they believed in technical people uh, because all the founders were technical guys, except maybe for Jessica. Uh, yet they know that technical people, if they are giving the right uh, chances and the right support, they will end up building different things because they have different point of view. Because, because we all know that 
when it comes to business, business is just about known frameworks, like whatever, mm. BCG metrics, whatever, uh, anything like that, different value prop, like very interesting jargons, just to, uh, to wow well, whoever that, who's listening to you. But in reality, you can, you, you can, you can actually say it in a, in, in a more simpler format than, uh, sure. and at least normal English. So for those guys, they said, like, we hate jargons. We love technical people. We're going to help them build their own things because uh, if they have the right ability to do so, they, they will build up different things. And they were right because those guys were the first money into Airbnb, into Dropbox, mm-hmm. into yeah. Instacart, into, like, any of the uh, big names that you know. Those guys were the first money and the first check who supported them early on. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, so, like in Dual Capital, was it the time that you established Indure Capital right after your, or around that time, I mean, after your visit to San Francisco or it took some time? Actually, t- t- no, two years later, because mm-hmm. I, I went back and I started doing some angel investments and uh, I ended up uh, like w- one of my first angel investments that was the first company to join YC from the Middle East. That was in 2013, actually one year after um, one year after my, my, I met Jeff. Even at that time, Y Combinator was not that active in investing in companies outside of Silicon Valley, outside of the US in general. Mm-hmm. So that was the first company from the Middle East, even including Turkey, uh, to, to be part of, uh, to take part of Y Combinator. I've learned a lot from them. Uh, and I even made 60x multiple on my investment on that company. Not a bad uh, one. Not a bad at all, because I made that 68 in one year. But yeah. wait till you hear what happened. This company actually was building something in the messaging space. If you remember, in 2014, another, yeah, like not so big company decided to acquire WhatsApp for a tremendous value, which basically killed mostly all 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 other messaging applications in the space. That's true. Yeah, Facebook acquired WhatsApp, I think, for 13 billion, I think. 19. 19. 19. Wow. <laughs> $19 billion. That was like, I, you I, know, the I, funny I, part the guy went to apply for the war a couple of years earlier to Facebook. They didn't take him, right? Do you remember? Do, do, do you know the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, they had to pay a little bit more. Yeah. That's, uh, but, but that's good. So, you were, so you, what you were saying is that you were in that right position because, because it was a big, big, big elephant will coming to the marketplace, right? Unfortunately, because their, their acquisition, uh, WhatsApp beca- became more popular in the US. Sure. It wasn't that popular before the acquisition. It was popular elsewhere in Europe and Asia and, and other, other countries, of course, but it wasn't that popular in the US. So most of other messaging applications were almost killed yeah. uh, instantly because it's, it's done. Like uh, when you have a big one or or two big exits in, in, in a specific sector on a field mm. or a specific product, usually most of the other products they yeah. cannot have a chance actually yeah, uh, to, to, to compete later on. So yeah, so I lost all my paper gains, all my 60x multiple paper gains. Uh, Tarek, I want your insight on this, what you just said, because I want to understand for myself and for people as well. So what you're saying is that in any given market, when you see a really one or two big exits, we're talking one or two big, maybe maximum three, for the rest of yeah. the like coming, you know, after that, it will be very, very difficult to do traction. Why is that? For a lot of things, one, when you have this big exit, that means you already have a big company in a way or another. So this big company, definitely they are not big for, for no reason. They're big because they, they had some sort of uh, defensibility or moats where basically they have like network effects 
They have mm-hmm. brand effects. So it's really tough for other people to overcome. They have capital as well, I guess. Yes. Almost and now they have even more firepower because of the support of the acquirer, because of the support of the, their dis- massive distribution channels and things like that. I see. I see. Thank you for that clarification. Just so when you had the one or two big exits, so that the, for the rest of the guys, it would be like a hard battle, extremely hard battle. Yes, big time. Again, okay. there are some exceptions, but, but this is most of the time, this is the case. I see. Thank you. Thank you. So please go back, go back to the story. So you were mentioning, so this is what happened. Even though you had the good return, but it was worthless because of this thing, right? And then? Yeah, but uh, my really good return out with that was the learning part. So the guys went to uh, YC uh, and I went to visit them. Uh, I wasn't allowed actually to go and, uh, and be part of the team because I, I wasn't part of the team. I was just the only Indian investor at that time. I but I was like waiting for them every day after they, call, they, call, they, they come back uh, from, uh, from their meeting, things like that. And I said like, guys, teach me. <laughs> Please mm. uh, tell me what you have learned, what's happening, what, what, mm-hmm. what kind of discussion that you had. How did they help you? And things like that. So I, I almost, I, I was almost attending YC with them, yeah. And and it helped me a lot and to, to understand and to know what kind of support that we need to give to our founders and entrepreneurs. So that was my biggest win. My second biggest win actually out with this company that the founder himself later on after deciding to shut uh, to shut down the company, <clears throat> he he decided to join. Another startups coming out of UAE at that mm-hmm. time, and because we, we were really good friends, and and he's seen that we, we supported him in a way. He said like this company wanted to grow later on to Egypt, and he mm-hmm. suggested that I should come and invest in the company that he just joined. And he talked to the other guy, saying that you should take Tark's uh, money because he helped us a lot, and he definitely can help you in Egypt. And that was really a good thing for all of us because that company was basically Kareem. Wow. That's actually how I got into Kareem. I see, I see, I see. So that was like 2013, 14, I guess, or later? That, no, that was 2015. Okay. That was see. late 2015, basically. So you were one of the very early uh, investors in Kareem, I guess. I, I was one of the early, the early investors, but not the mm-hmm. earliest. Sure. There, there are even other funds actually who came before us. So actually like one, of, one of your one startup guys, so oh. what you're saying is one of your startup guys, he tried, he kind of failed because of what acquisition and he come back and joined another startup in UAE and he kind of kind of bring you like, hey, this guy is so cool, you know, let's get him on board. So what you're saying is that, yeah, one thing is learning, the other thing is like connection, you're building connections with startups and you're getting introduction. Otherwise, you wouldn't even know that, that this, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have this deal from Kareem, right? Because this all dots are connected if you look back, right? Wouldn't you say so? Yes, I yeah, definitely this is true, and it's not only connections; it's connections and having relatively good reputation. Because Absolutely. at the end of the day, uh, we invest in people. Like mm-hmm. companies may, may may like may may succeed or may fail, but at the end mm-hmm. of the day, people are the 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 right thing to to bet on, basically. I see. I see. Absolutely. So uh, after, so th- th- that's uh, when you invest in Kareem. That's good. Shall I, and, and, and that's where around like Endure comes into play? Like it's a yes. structure. I see. Yes, exactly. So I decided like now maybe it's the right time for me to go from just angel investing to into, uh, into building funds. Uh, I, I had a previous experience of trying to build funds, but it didn't go well. 
that was like early on and then 2000, uh, <clears throat> 2011. But, but now I decided that uh, I want to build it in a completely different way. I want to build it to, to have, I want to have the headquarter in, in Palo Alto and in, in, okay. in, 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 in Silicon Valley, where actually uh, we invest in companies out of the US. While I had, uh, at the same time, we invest in companies coming out of emerging markets, trying to mm -hmm. bridge the gap between the emerging markets and the US, because this is actually where the most of the value can come in and strengthen the, the more connection that we have and the more ties that we have, the better chances of success for both companies that we invest in, either in this part of the world or even in the US. I see. I see. I mean, where is India today, like uh, compared to when you launched and where, where is India today? So when we launched, it was, it was a very, very small thing. I, we didn't have enough money at that time. We just have like some equities in, in, in relatively successful companies. And we wanted to raise our first fund. It wasn't mm -hmm. easy. I, I, I had, to, um, I had to, col to collect my fund from 57 limited partners, which mm -hmm. basically this is the word for investor, which is a lot. Very few funds actually have. Do you struggle with Dean and Dunya balance in your life? Meet Salam.app, a Muslim social network where your ego, nafs, is not in the center. It is a place to feed your soul with daily inspiration, to make new Muslim friends, and connect with Ummah. Visit www.salam.app and download free for your iPhone or Android. This large number of investors. But I, I had to do so because most of the other typical LPs were focused on specific geography, mm -hmm. uh, like the DFIs, like IFCs, EPRDs, and all those guys, very, very reputable guys. Uh, yet, uh, they put constraints on you on where you deploy sure. your money. So for us, that was against our strategy. Our strategy is to be a cross-border investors because this sure. is where we believe we're getting value. Uh, and uh, our thesis that the more freedom you have uh, or the, more the, the higher degree of freedom you have in your investments and your choices, the better results you will end up with. Of course, if you are following your investment thesis and your strategy. Mm. So for those who yeah. are who who may be like really new term that for the VCs, so so the way I understand the VCs is uh, based on my knowledge. So VC is a uh, like entity who collects, you know, who gets money for investment from, as you said, LPs, right, limited partners. They invest in the money to get a return at at least ten x, maybe sometimes hundred x in the next, I don't know, ten years or something. And and people like yourself, like like they manage and they they deploy the money to invest in different companies. That's pretty much it, isn't it? Like the, when you describe describe the VC, wouldn't you say so? So for those who don't understand, yeah, yeah, I agree. It is exactly like what you what I you just said. I see, I see, I see. So um, that's something new for you as well, right? To take on a role. Uh, I guess before you were angel, now it's much more structured. I guess, uh, I mean, one of the, as you said, the mentioned the, 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 the Kareem, this is uh, one of the investments I know, maybe, I, I, I'm sure you have a lot of other ones. It did, did it exist, I think, about a year ago, or maybe even later, I don't know. When was it that, uh, when was the time that, that we were acquired Kareem, right? Yes, last year. Last year, last year. I think uh, you had a good return on that one, hopefully. 
must be happy. Your your LPs must be happy. So 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 Tariq, yesterday when I was uh, I guess um, you know announcing, you know, I was talking to Tariq because you know, especially in in our space, uh, talking to people like yourself, getting their insights very not quite often. And I, I was people. Some people were asking a couple of questions, and if you don't mind, I would like to ask them. So you know, it doesn't have to be long replies. You can reply them sure. short as you can. So let me get them. I promised them I'm going to ask. Them. I think I believe some of the questions are pretty good. So one of the questions is that. All They're questions is, are, good, are good in general. Yeah. So, I mean, one of them is like it says, your view uh, on impact investment. So what they're saying is there are some solutions that solve real problems in our societies, but may not mm -hmm. be economically viable mm -hmm. if you, you know, if you're looking to ROEs, et cetera. So, so what's your experience with that and, and how, how do you look into this? So the good news about impact investing and the, 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 the economic viability of some of the solutions that it is getting much better. Why that? Because what, what wasn't viable early on now is becoming more viable because of the advance of technology. This is one mm -hmm. second. Consumers, uh, specifically uh, Generation Z, they love to be part of something meaningful and impactful. So what used to be not economically viable is now economically viable in a way or another because some people, some users, some consumers only buy new things because we believe that they have a good impact mm -hmm. uh, on the environment and things like that. So the good news, it, it is changing. And I think we are seeing a conversion between impact and impact investing and typical investing. I see. Uh, this is from one side. Second, for any business or for anything to sustain, uh, we need to have the, the fundamental elements of sustainability, which basically they need to make sure that they're growing and they, may, they need to make sure that they are Uh, self-sustaining from from financial point of view. So economic viability is an important thing. So you cannot have a thriving impact investing without that part. Yet, sure. the good news, both are converging. We're seeing okay. more of impact investing turning to be more economically viable. Uh, okay. More economically viable. I see. I see. So thank you for your insight on that one. So another question we have is that what you're saying is that inter capital is well known but why their process is not as well known as the brand itself. What do you say to that? Okay, so, so here's the thing. Uh, we, we are not an accelerator or mm -hmm. uh, like an incubator where we say like, guys, this is the amount of money that we give for that specific mm -hmm. amount and we have this sure. program for three months and things like that. Mm. It, it, it doesn't work like this way. Sure. For us, people reach out to us and start mm -hmm. discussing their business opportunity we get engaged with them. We, we are relatively known for making decisions fast. And we, every time, it's a, it is a different case. Because sure. not all companies are the same. And all companies shouldn't be the same. Yeah. You want to invest in something that's really different, that has a different point of view, that has a different angle. And not it's, all companies are investable, right? Let's put it this way as well. And uh, do you agree? Yeah. I mean, so let me ask you this. So, well, I mean, I agree. I agree with you. So you are not a YC because YC says, hey, this is how much we invest. This is the percentage we take. This is the process. And compared to you, it's, it's different. I mean, but having said that, but let me ask you a question, I guess. So let's say anybody who is listening to this, I don't know, maybe they have something They, they may have something to say they, wanna, they want to, you know, outside help. They say they say worth investing. Tell us the ideal, I know what is an ideal, but tell us the ideal uh, process for you to get rich out and what kind of stage they should reach out to you or what kind of stage they should, what, 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 what would you like to see at a, com a company you would like to invest? Uh, uh, do, you, do you follow what you follow what say? Yes. Uh, so basically, we're an early stage investor. So mm -hmm. I think 
whenever you you think you should be contacting us, you should go directly and contact us. Don't wait for a specific traction. Don't wait for a specific uh, uh, for specific milestones. Just mm-hmm. contact us, and if it if 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 we don't if we don't feel comfortable uh, investing at that time or at that stage, we will tell you that, and we will tell you that quickly. Not to waste your time and not to waste our time, our time as well. But it will be a very good thing for us because we will continue. Uh, because if we are convinced, and maybe it's just too early, we will continue our relations and connections. And when the time is right, we'll definitely be one of your first investors and mm-hmm. first backers. Because I have a lot of I have a lot of stories about things like that. And and even sometimes we invested in companies not only before having traction, even before they incorporated. Like for example. Um, there is this company, one of our latest investments called uh, Maxab. Actually, the, how we invested in Maxab, uh, Bilal, uh, the founder of Maxab, used to be the uh, city manager of Karim in Alexandria and later on in Cairo. Mm. So I know him early on. And before that, two years earlier, I've met Travis of Uber at, uh, at a conference. And we had like one hour chat about uh, how Uber tracks for him was even bigger than Uber and what are the elements and elements of success of Uber tracks. So when I reflected on, uh, into that and say that if you want to build something like Uber tracks in the Middle East, this is how it should be different. For example, mm. it, should, it shouldn't be something horizontal. It should be more of a vertical focused um, Uber tracks. So when Bilal came in and pitched his idea, it almost fit on my thesis about Uber trucks in a vertical, which basically it's Uber trucks in a FMCG uh, mm-hmm. uh, market. So we decided, and, and I know him early on. So we decided to lead. Uh, to, to, we decided to lead his uh, his round even before incorporating. I see. I see. So, so what you're saying is that. So I think what you're saying is it's about, of course, about the people, but also about the idea and the timing, right? Timing is critical. Timing is very critical. And timing is tightly coupled with the, the, the size of the market or the size of the anticipated market. Definitely, entrepreneurs and founders come first. Later on, it is the market and the opportunity. And third would be the product. Uh, but mm-hmm. for us, the first two are more important even than the product. So you can come to us without a product, but if you are a, a, like a good founder and you know how to get things done and you want to engage us early on as much as you can, we're fine with that because we, we, we are builders ourselves. We build things before, so we know how. The, what, what, what does it take mm-hmm. to build things? I see. I see. I see. This were my questions. Do you think any question I should have asked, I didn't ask, which you want to, you know, highlight? Nothing comes to mind, actually. <laughs> okay, that's good. So as, as a last uh, question, I guess, can you please uh, mention where people can reach out to you or especially, you know, if they want to contact India, where they can go ahead and, you know, contact you guys. Yeah, sure. Uh, they can contact me, uh, contact me on, on my email. It's, it's my initials, basically, tf at endurecap.com. tf at okay. endurecap.com. Thank you very much. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Dear listener, Based on many requests from our listeners, we are launching a Muslims on Fire Academy. It's for those who want to do more than just listening. It's for those who not only want to be inspired, but to be one of the Muslims on Fire as well. It's for those who want to discover their purpose in life, follow their dreams, and live in prosperity. If this is you, join us for a journey of a lifetime. The introduction course is free. 
Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. For show notes and questions for episodes, please visit www.muslimsonfire.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like our show, please rate, share with friends, and leave a review. With your help, it will enable us to reach more people and change their lives for the better. Stay tuned. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum.